then the day like I don't fear death because it's it's inevitable. And my beliefs is, you know, it's just like energy. Like you can't create or destroy it. It just transfers, you know? And so it's like, I don't know what happens after. I don't know what happens before, mm-hmm. but I'm ready to live now and share that perspective with people and see who I can help along the way. Right, welcome to another episode of the Living Wild Podcast. I'm Brent Philbin, and we've got a little special treat for you today. The CEO of Wild Foods is on, and he has brought with him Josh Perry, who was a professional BMX rider and went through a bunch of life changes, including three brain tumors, and got to where he is today. So find out about his journey into coaching and writing books and all of that on this episode of the Living Wild Podcast. It starts right now. All right. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brent Philbin, and of course, I am here with our host, Colin Stuckert. What's up, all? And we have brought Josh Perry onto the show today, and we would love to hear everything about your quick version of who you are, Josh. Welcome to the show. Awesome, guys. I appreciate you having me. Long story short... High school dropout from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, uh, wandered I didn't down. Know that. Wow, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> wandered down to Greenville, North Carolina to train with like my heroes, Dave Mira and the other professionals at the time that lived out there. BMX uh, professionals. Yes. BMX right, professionals. I don't think established that yet. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're off to a great start. <laughs> um, ended up getting my GED at 21. My mom cried. She never thought I was going to do that. I surprised her. So that was pretty cool. Um, that same year, rode X Games the year prior for the first time. Uh, I'd been traveling international for the first time, competing, sponsorships on TV, all that good stuff. And then it was three, four months after I turned 21, fell one day training, trying a new trick outside of the foam pit and had hit my head, got a concussion and went in for an MRI uh, to see if there was any traumatic brain injury, you know, uh, swelling or bleeding and things like that. Everything checked out, but they accidentally found like a massive, like sweet potato sized brain tumor in the left side of my brain. And that's kind of where my uh, story, as most people know, started um, was that moment. But yeah. So before we move on, you know, I mentioned I had dropped out of high school. I went to a technical high school for landscape and I was working from about 15 or 16 for a couple of years uh, with a friend of the family's landscaping business. And so in my mind, going to this technical school was a way to make money, learn how to run my own business. But also there was a co-op program come uh, sophomore year. You go to school two weeks, go to work two weeks. So I was like, oh, I can work, make money, travel more, compete, go to school less. So to kind of tied into my um my journey i'm on now but yeah that brain tumor diagnosis is what really flipped the script on my perspective on life and then really how i was going to move forward thereafter yeah so josh and i met i don't know maybe about a year ago now uh, maybe a little bit longer than that uh, we've had another brain cancer um i guess you could say survivor on the show a lot of our audience knows logan fusion lean and that you guys connected and then we connected out here in austin we hung out for for a day or two and you know you just got that good calm energy which i love so much um we didn't get a chance to meet recently at paleo fx weren't you at paleo fx recently no i wasn't there i was at ketocon every time i went to the booth you guys were one of one of you guys you were uh, jamie were gone so i know i know and i think my number changed you couldn't text me or whatever my bad on that we'll definitely meet up in the next one because ketocon every year is getting is getting big it's fun it was fun time yeah it was sweet so I've been following you since you were here, you know, your, your journey and just trying to kind of share your story 
And uh, in fact, I want to get caught up on what you're doing a little bit. And then I want to reverse back into your story and how I really want to dive into like the BMX community, the nutrition and some of the some of the things you told me about back a year ago about like not really fitting in with that community and being a little bit contrarian and you getting flack for that and everything. Any story like that, that kind of like underdog story always. I just love that that story so much because I I see that in myself, you know, with so much. So um, what are you doing now? Then we'll kind of circle back to really the timeline of everything and and how that leads to today. Yeah, for sure. And so what I'm doing now obviously is very different. And I want to touch upon that after of like what the moment was that like shifted me a hundred percent away from what I was doing in terms of BMX, the BMX dream to what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Um, That transition, I, when I decided to stop competing and dropped all my sponsorships, things like that, it was to be in integrity with my purpose for my life. And there was a a wake up call, which was a third brain tumor diagnosis. that kind of kicked me in the ass and was like, Hey, third. Yeah. Third. We didn't even talk about the second. We could talk about those after, (laughs) Uh, but it was really that, that moment that there was no victim mentality this time. There was no anger. It was more like, what can I do to help myself and help other people? Mm-hmm. And I knew competing wasn't the way. If we had a larger platform, like any other main, mainstream sport, it would be, it'd make more sense. But all the time and energy sacrificed going into com- competition with the level it's at, I could be doing, you know, more towards my goals, which is, you know, to help people. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's stop all this. What am I going to do to support myself? In 2014, I went through a health coaching certification program and never used it. But since the first diagnosis, just the the passion to learn more about holistic health and, you know, our thoughts, our movements, what we consume and how that affects our brain health and overall health just kept growing and growing. And I was like, all right, well, I've been learning more about this. I know a lot more than the average person. I, you know, I'm certified to help people now for whatever that piece of paper is worth. And like, I'm passionate about helping people. So why don't I do that? And it's a long story that led to the opportunity to start coaching a group of corporate company. And that led into, you know, the, I guess, initiation of starting my own health coaching business. And then that turned into, you know, doing uh, one-off, you know, like courses and things like that. And then that led into speaking. And so all the things that have sparked from the decision in 2017 to stop competing and just BMX uh, industry-wise, I guess, in general, I still ride same level because I love it. But like anything to do with making money um, in any form from BMX, I just completely shifted. It all it all stemmed from that, that third diagnosis of the brain tumor um, or brain tumors and helping people. And then so one thing after another, I got asked, oh, do you want to come share your story on this stage and that stage? And mm-hmm. I actively started pursuing those to where that's, I mean, I, I just got confirmation I'm going to Chile at the end of October with Dr. Ryan Lowry to speak at a Rest. keto event, things like that. Awesome. So yeah, thanks. Um, one, it's all the things I do today is on purpose. I, I talk about like, I used to be on self, like it was a selfish dream to go be a BMX athlete. You know, I wanted to do that. That's cool. Uh, but now all my efforts are, are of course, there's, selfish driven efforts, but, uh, the majority of my effort is on purpose to help people and to not have to go through something I went through to open up mm-hmm. their mind to ways to, you know, put the control back in their life, to live life on their terms. But I forget what the other point was, but yeah, um, it stemmed from that third diagnosis and just really wanted to get out of the BMX and just help people. And now we're here. Yeah. So within BMX though, can you talk a little bit about what that culture is like? Because I remember you specifically telling me that as you started to just be a little bit more conscious of what you were eating. And I don't know if that happened before the brain tumor or after, maybe you can paint some clarity on that, but like talk to me a little bit about what that 
that resistance you got was and like kind of how you dealt with it. And, you know, obviously at this point, how you probably came to terms with it, I'm sure, you know, cause now you're kind of almost like a different person doing a different thing. But like, can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah. And so, you know, at the time before the brain tumor diagnosis, which was March, 2010, uh, before that. So even in my first, um, wasn't my first professional year. It felt like it was like my rookie year. Cause it was my first win building a name for myself on TV, traveling the world. Like it just felt like my rookie year. But, um, that's when I started noticing like Dave Muir and the other, you know, select top professional athletes and BMX that were winning or constantly top five. And like, they were going to the gym, they were drinking protein shakes and taking supplements, mm-hmm. all these things. And I was like, all right, like I was dabbling with it, but not, not anything consistently. Uh, but it was that first diagnosis that really was like, oh, you know, I watched a documentary that like, oh, like it, it like made it so simple of like what you consume mind and body and how it translates to your overall health and quality of life, you know, so made a lot of changes. But as I was doing so, there's only a select few in BMX that were into this and they were typically older professionals I looked up to for one reason or another. But just like in any walk of life, when you start making a change, the perception people have of you is challenged. And so it like challenges their thoughts and their beliefs and like their Mm -hmm. ego comes out and it is just this resistance of change. And although everything I was doing was to better myself and what I was sharing along the way was in effort to help the sport and help the athletes, it was different. And so with BMX, it's still fairly new sport, you know, and it's still one of those like tries to be underground. Like we don't want to be, uh, you know, corporate. We don't want to have right. big exposure. Yep. The Olympics is happening next year. BMX freestyles in the Olympics. So it's going to be changing things. And I'm curious to see, you know, how these things change because now the Olympics and yep. there's disciplines in BMX. You got the street riding, the dirt riding, and then you got the competition side, dirt riding, and then park and vert and mega ramp and all these things. So it's like the ramp riders and the dirt jumpers that are competitive, at least they seem to be the ones that are more gravitated towards taking care of their body. Uh, there are some other, you know, street riders that, you know, are, are into it, but it's becoming more of a thing associated with like training and being a professional athlete. The problem with uh, action sports, in my opinion, is not the, ma- the majority of the athletes don't see themselves as an athlete. So they don't see the need to go work out to supplement their efforts. They don't see the need to eat well to supplement their efforts or their health in general. And you know how that goes like, oh, I'm young. Why, why do I need to worry about that? Yeah, because I'm active. I'm fit all day. Like I burn calories or, you know, that typical. Thing. Exactly. And that's how I was. I was 21. Yep. I was diagnosed and I was literally told you may die unless you have your, your head cut open, you still may die. And then that perspective led to the changes being just like, all right, this is what I got to do. So, but before that I was like, oh, I got a six pack, I'm a professional athlete. The doctor's telling me I'm fine. And that was the year, um, prior to that diagnosis with the experience I had multiple times, I'd gone to the urgent care and the emergency room. I didn't have a primary, I still don't. Um, but I was going (laughs) in for these debilitating headaches and migraines to the point where I was losing my vision and I was vomiting. And they would just say, you know, you don't need a scan. I'd ask for CAT scan, MRI, x-ray, something. And they're like, no, you don't need one. Like you just have headaches. It's quite common in in today's world. Like here's a, you know, endless list of pain pills come back anymore. And so it took that crash to really get an image of my brain. Hence why I'm so, so much of an advocate for medical imaging, especially if you're paying for health insurance, but that's, that's my perspective and what fuels my passion for it. Not everyone goes through something like that, that makes them question their choices or audit their choices. And so all my efforts today is really my, like my mission statement is to inspire new perspective and others that leads them to taking new action in their life. 
if I hadn't had that wake up call or that obstacle, like severe obstacle hit me at 21, I probably wouldn't make any changes. I most certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing within business. I would have, my mentality was like, I'm a ride till I can't and I'll get a job. Maybe I'll go back to landscaping. Maybe I'll create my own landscaping business one day. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But now I'm so like one of my biggest fears besides letting the people I care about down is working for someone else on their terms, making a salary cap and not enjoying what I do. So back to your original question, the resistance in BMX, it's starting to change because of the Olympics as well as the competition level and then injuries and injury prevention from strength training and then all the ins and outs of that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's th- like my, my experience with like how they viewed me was they just talked shit on me behind my back for, for mm-hmm. years. And then I, I'd find out one way or another, you know, everyone's connected mm-hmm. one way. So, um, yeah. I, I didn't think much of it, you know, um, it kind of bummed me out of course, cause especially dudes I look up to in the sport, w- whether they're older or the same age, whatever, it just, I'm like, Oh, that kind of, that kind of hurts. But yeah, okay, let's keep doing me. Uh, but well, now I get a lot of questions like what's up with those avocados that you eat? What's up with this that's, keto that's thing? What what's up with the gym? And I'm like, yeah, well. yeah, they come around, but usually on, in their own time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then those that don't, they, they don't. But 100%. What, what I've learned about um, haters over the years is that any time, and this is just humans in general, it's always a reflection of the person. And it's about, it's like, it's like the person is using you as a mirror and they're just like, trying to project their BS onto you. Like, but really you should think of it. It is an actual mirror. They're literally just talking about themselves or their insecurity or something about themselves in some way, or they're just afraid of change, which is common in a lot of humans. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that is, okay. yeah, I love the That's, mirroring effect like that. And then accountability, accepting those pieces has transformed my life in the last three or four years. Like accepting my reality is a manifestation of every choice I've made. Like there's no excuses. Like, especially when you get deep into like Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and like you start thinking about all that stuff, it's like, fuck, like, damn. Yeah. Like, so accountability, I think is huge. And you're someone who like, who doesn't really have a choice. You're forced into this form of kind of stoicism. I always come back to stoicism, which a lot of stoic principles are, except reality. You know, you have things like amorphitidi that Nietzsche talked about, you know, a love of fate, whatever, wherever you happen to be in life is what you should accept and, and, and whatever. Cause I mean, fundamentally that's all you can do. Right. We always think we can change our circumstance or at least change things that have. Ha- I mean, we can obviously change our circumstance based on our choices, yep. but things that have happened to us, people still convince themselves that they if they obsess about their past enough that they'll somehow change or they'll. But like literally, it's never going to change. Yeah. Right. So for someone like you, you have that stark reality that was literally in your head you know, on an operating table of like, there's nothing I can do to change the fact that this has happened. Yeah. Right. But when I wake up tomorrow, I can make different decisions. You know what I'm saying? And what's great about your story is that we want to really, I, I think it's very empowering and it's a really good reminder of people of the fickleness of life and, and you know, it brings death to the forefront, which is something that we don't talk about enough and I think it's very important. I think a lot of people try to just ignore death, but like the reality is accepting death and, and coming to terms with it to better live today could be one of the most powerful tools in your, you know, physiological, psychological toolbox. You know, in fact, let's just unpack that a little bit, like death and, and how you thought about it. Cause obviously that was something that you thought about a lot, right? People, oh, yeah. Doctors are probably saying their things in their cold terms. Or, it's a t- X percent chance that you could die or whatever, you know? So like you probably went through a whole myriad of emotions and emotional roller coaster, And maybe even to this day, still struggle with that at times or whatever. What do you have to say on that? I never thought of death like as deep as we're about to go about it, you know, uh, or with <laughs> it until I was told you may die. And hearing those words, I was alone, by the way, when I got diagnosed because I thought it was a concussion follow-up. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't think anything of it. 
never thought that it'd be a brain tumor, especially the size. Um, yeah. but the, the, the thought of dying is just what led me down the route of the victim mentality initially and a lot of fear, obviously, but there was a transition where, you know, three pieces that helped me change that fear to fuel, to live my life. Like, instead of thinking like, what if I don't wake up? Like, what if I do, what am I going to do? Like and visualizing mm-hmm. that first was my mom and her story battling colon cancer for years and being alive and well today and doing it with a smile on her face and actually keeping it for me the first couple of years I had left home to pursue BMX. Cause like my dream was like her dream, you know, it was like mm-hmm. to see me happy and fulfilled was going to make her happy and fulfilled. So only a mom, I feel like, can can do that type of thing. But yep. um, that was number one. Number two, I'd made a name for myself around the BMX community now. So that helped fuel me with like their love and support, whether they knew me personally or not. They just maybe had seen a clip of me, seen a contest, or just heard my story from you know BMX articles that were coming out in videos. So um, that helped me. But then also seeing Lance Armstrong's story and a guy that in my mind was going through something three times as worse. You know, here I am. They don't know if it's benign or cancerous. This guy went through brain, lung, and testicular cancer. And it doesn't matter a a person's perspective on whether he cheated or not or any of that bullshit. It's like, I don't think people understand what it's like to go through something like that to get back to that level in general, let alone be at the top, you know, whatever place, you know, multiple Mm -hmm. times and continue. So that fueled me. And then as I went forward, you know, it happened again, like two years later, a diagnosis happened again, where it was like two areas had grown back. And that was due to the original tumor wrapping itself around the artery in my brain and my optic nerve. And uh, the complications of surgery ended up being like a six and a half hour surgery. So um, we went through gamma knife radio treatment, basically zapped the two tumors for four years. They've been stable ever since. So that's rad. But it was that. And then literally I died my flatline for 30 or 45 seconds at a contest in 2012. Um, I came up short back tire tagged. I was coming from about 15 feet in the air. The top of the landing was six foot tall. And I went, I was on my bike. So I'm like eight, nine feet above, above the, um, the ramp or the, the, the flat bottom. And I went straight over the bars to my face and they said, uh, they heard me snoring instantly and rolled me over and I was just gone. I woke up in an ambulance actually, but legit died i guess definition of that can be whatever but you know so there's been multiple experiences that have like i've been close to death or i've been told like you're gonna die if you don't do this and so Mm -hmm. the more i got down the route of like self-help type things learning about the power of manifestation law of attraction like the like looking into the meaning of life and i'm not a spiritual or a religious person i'm not i don't like saying i'm spiritual but like i understand or i believe everything is connected Mm -hmm. everyone's got their own beliefs but like getting into like the mind of like Joe Rogan and like Jim Carrey and then Dr. Joe Dispenza and like putting all these pieces and my experiences together and thinking of death. And then just last summer, my younger brother, he had passed away after he uh, turned 26. And in and, and that experience of like, man, like I'm still here. And then going through the, like the survivor's guilt issues mm-hmm. and experiences. And like, this is like my mentality on death now is like, I know it's going to happen. And I think a lot of people deep down understand it will happen. Like there's not one human that's ever escaped it. Uh, But to wrap the mind around it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I think that's what frightens people to believe one thing or another out of a fear, you know, and for me, I'm not afraid to die. Um, That more so solidified after my brother passed and all my beliefs on life were challenged and I was just like, well, what the fuck is the point of me living anymore? Like if this is like, if we just die anyways, like, but then being grateful to be alive and experience this, you know, and not waste my life in, you know, disrespect to him. That's kind of what's helped. But then the day, like 
I don't fear death because it's, it's inevitable. And my beliefs is, you know, it's just like energy. Like you can't create or destroy it. It just transfers, you know? And so it's like, I don't know what happens after. I don't know what happens before, mm-hmm. but I'm ready to live now and share that perspective with people and see who I can help along the way. Yeah. And you can control the now based on controlling your actions, yeah. but you can't control what may or may not happen after death. And, you know, most of us think we can control when death's going to come to some extent, at least with your health, you can, but, um, you know, you never know when that freak accident is going to come or maybe the whole world ends because the sun decides to blow up. I yeah. mean, there's just so many things that can happen. Uh, for sure. I think, I think gratitude is a huge thing that it's becoming more popular, like gratitude, mindfulness, meditation. These are all kind of buzzwords nowadays, yep. but you know, people hear it on a podcast or reading a book or they see a quote and it's like, you know, who's doing anything? Like who's actually like taking five minutes to actually just like be grateful or, or a gratitude journal or whatever. And I'm sure you went through various you know, through grief, like gratitude seems to be it usually along that process. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not, but it seems like, you know, a lot of people end up coming back to it. The people that are able to survive trauma and, and get stronger, gratitude's usually pivotal to that. Like it's, it's, it's integral, you know? So like, what, what is gratitude in your life right now? Do you have like a practice or you just try to like remind yourself of like, that's how it was and that was terrible. And now I'm just happy to be alive today, being able to, you know, make a difference. You know, what does that look like? Yeah. So there's a a few things that I do and I've done over the years. It's always evolving and it just depends on the time and how, how life's going and what I feel. But like, I feel like I've set tools in in my tool belt. So like for a while it was like gratitude journaling, like first thing in the Mm -hmm. morning, every day for whatever amount of days, miss a day, get pissed off and be like, Oh no, that's not the point of this. And then get back into it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's like getting pissed off at my meditation. You're like, I'm thinking, damn it, I'm, I'm not, I'm failing. And then you just downhill. Yeah. No, real quick, be, before you move on to the other tool, what does that look like, though? Because people hear gratitude journal. Oh, cool. I need to buy a notebook or whatever. But what's the actual practice look like? Because a lot of people, I think they make it a bigger deal. Literally, you can take a piece of paper or even in your mind. And the way I do it is like there's the five-minute journal that, that turned me on to this. Is like I think you write like three things you're grateful for, you know, beginning of the day, end of the day, or like three good things that happened today or mm-hmm. whatever. Like there's a lot of different ways to do it. But what's your specific practice? Yeah, I have one of those. Again, like I'm, I'm not consistent with one way or another as far as like the form. But like mm-hmm. there's that. I was, um, you know, like the little journals that's just blank notebook paper and you can write lists or whatever. Like I was yeah. – Every day I was starting with just like three things I was grateful for. And my challenge was to do a set of three that were different from the day uh, prior Mm -hmm. um, and then write my list after that. Um, But then like I find for me that when I'm in the flow of doing the things that I want to do and just constantly recognizing that I am happy and I am abundant and like I have my little mantras, like all these things, it keeps me in that state. And then like I was saying before, I have these tools set in place where it's like, all right, I'm feeling a little stressed or a little anxious or like kind of pissed off or like, all right, well, looks like you uh, needed some perspective. So go back to that. But I also find that social media for me is like an outlet that allows me to hold myself accountable, share with other people, but really just be trans- like I use it as a transparency tool, but also more so to motivate and like inspire the people to live life on their terms. But I find that like social media is always like this like uh, selfish thing for me, like me sharing my thoughts helps me get it out and feel what I'm sharing. It's like when you learn something, if you can teach it, you learn it twice. And so yep. I love when I'm learning something, taking notes. And then I'm like, well, that's, that's, I'm going to use that as a piece of content because that's going to help me and live my message more. And it's going to help that person receiving it, see it. And like, so 
I have all these things. And that's the thing that I love to share. I was like, I don't think there's a right or wrong. So like meditation, you know, like what is the point of meditation? And then if you think of that and it's like, well, that emotional state you're trying to reach, is there other areas of your life that you can achieve that state by doing that? And some people will say no. Some people say yes. It depends. But like at the end of the day, like whatever makes me feel the way I want to feel to a degree, because <laughs> like, I mean, some people are like, oh, I want to feel sure. numb. So I'm going to do alcohol, drink alcohol, yeah, and drug. Like, right. but like if it's not harming you, like whatever, that's, that's where I want to be. So like for me to live the life that I'm focused on creating every day and progressing with that keeps me in a state of gratitude as well as my perspective. Like it, it started out with like this conscious effort to make myself like do these things so I could feel this way to now it's like, it's a subconscious flip. Like I talk about um, a subconscious alarm that you have set off for self-talk and limiting beliefs and de- like to the point now where it's like, I don't have to write these things out and do all the exercises I used to do. It's just like, I hear myself saying something or starting to think something and I'll back it up and like, I will replace it. Whether it's in a conversation, I'll stop and I'll start over. So with gratitude, it's just, it's just something I live and I share so much on a daily basis with other people, my experiences. And I just try to feel it with whatever I'm doing. And if like, some reason I'm just like feeling like down. It's like, all right, let's go either to a video or like a, I, you know, record an audio or write mm-hmm. in a journal, like whatever form works for you is just like express that gratitude for whatever it is. So, yeah, I think also what you really hit the nail on the head when you talked about it being, I mean, you basically saying it's a habit, right? Yeah. And this is what I think a lot of people don't understand is like, they don't understand that the way they think is just a habit that can be changed. People had this kind of finalistic fixed mindset about like who they are and their identity. They're like, oh, I'm this person or I'm that way or whatever. Or like they, it's almost like I have a right to feel bad or I have this right to do this or this like, and a lot of that's like victim mentality bullshit. Mm-hmm. But I think gratitude, the perfect way to think about it for people is just like even with like mindfulness or meditation is it, it's just a practice so that you can develop the habit of your brain working differently and really working to your advantage because a lot of people's minds don't work to their advantage, right? And that's why it seems like people that have these crazy near life death stories, it kind of pushes them so far to the other paradigm that they have to develop these habits, you know, really for survival in a lot of ways, right? But these tools and, and th- these ways of thinking and whatever are applicable to everybody. If it's just the average person that like works 40 hours a week and has kids, but is like pretty much miserable or the alcoholic or like the just vast amount of people in our modern world that are just suffering, right? Because like, not everybody has to have a brain tumor to suffer. There's a lot of people that suffer oh, yeah. over just the million things that it could be. And, but that's why someone like you and, and the tools that you've had to develop, I think, are useful for everybody. 100%. Right? Like you don't have to have a brain tumor, have a near-death situation to be able to take these tools and make your life better. And I see a lot, a lot of suffering. Like a lot of it, especially now in our social media age, is swept under the rug or they pretend they're okay because they put off this picture of like this picture-perfect world or whatever, right? Oh, man, people need this stuff. They need they need this stuff hardcore. For sure. When you when you mention habits too, what comes to mind is maybe not solely habits or thinking of habits outside of just like the actions you take. Because I mean, this what I'm about to share could be categorized either way. But like, who you mm-hmm. hang out with, like who's in your environment, whether it's family or friends, like uh, or strangers or coworkers, or like the the content you consume, like whatever it is, like the habit of you. <laughs> this is like Dr. Joe's uh, book, Breaking the Habit of Your Being You, or whatever it is. But like the habits you have with your thoughts, your actions, and just literally any choice you make to consume any, any bit of energy, whether that's watching a YouTube channel, that's, you know, the people you choose to uh, have a conversation with, hang out with any of these things, like that's what is driving the emotional state that you're going to live in. 
And mm-hmm. that's going to drive or lead to the action you're going to take or not going to take. And that's going to re, you know, manifest a reality. And if you don't like it, you really have to change, like focus on changing your thoughts and auditing your thoughts. And so the, the phrase discipline equals freedom comes to mind because that was something that I didn't quite understand. Uh, when I first heard about it a couple of years ago from whatever source it was, but uh, Jocko, Jocko's book, he has a book, Jocko Willick. Oh yeah. Willick yeah. here. So, discipline equals freedom. Yep. So for me, where I am today, when it comes to like mantras or affirmations or gratitude or perspective or self-talk, any of these things, like for years, it was like work, like every day working on it. It's like same thing with like a BMX trick. Like for me to do a backflip now, like that's, I can do it warming up. I could, there's a, a thing we have called the, uh, the backflip club, like doing like an NFL halftime show, like no practice, no warm up. You just put your pads on, like you sprint out the jump and do a backflip. You know, it's like, that is common. You know, it's like, it's like a warm up trick for me now if I wanted. But before I had to work my ass off in the foam pit just to come around, like rotate it. So with mm-hmm. all these practices for life, it's like you're trying to achieve this emotional state that'll allow you to take the action you want to create the life that you want. And I was so disciplined with and, and like in like nutrition and like the gym, like all these things that like I wasn't doing before. That was like my old self, but creating so much discipline and habits and structure around it has led me to where I have the freedom. Like, I mean, we can talk about it metabolically as you know, but like when you, you become fat adapted over months and years, you go have a piece of cake. It's not going to screw you up. Maybe you'll get back in ketosis if that's what you're doing the next day, yep. but there's context around it. So being disciplined in whatever area of life gives you the freedom to do it, you know, however it resonates with you, but like, you're not going to learn that until you try and you try to follow a habit. So that's just uh, something I wanted to share about what you were saying with habits. It's like, it's not just what you do or don't do. It's like who you hang out with and like what you consume mentally or physically. Yeah. And a lot of that, it reminds me of a constant that you see all the time is most people are just byproducts of their environment. They don't shape their environment. They're not actively changing things in their environment. They're responding to their environment. Like if the, if the news is on, whatever the news happens to be, they're consuming that, right? Like they have no choice in the matter. I mean, they could change the channel, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, their friends, the people, or even this is another one. Like you have a peer group. Let's say it's family. Family is a common one because you can't always like really audit your family. Mm-hmm. Like even if you might want to, but it's like <laughs> you, what you can do within your family is you can dictate conversation. Oh yeah, and you can dictate what is said or isn't said. And and there's so many people that are so afraid of ruffling feathers or having a little negativity here and there, or like you know they don't want to upset anybody. But sometimes you need to do that. Honestly, sometimes people need to get upset. It's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. We live in this pansy fucking culture we live in right now. It's nonsense. But it's like sometimes people need to be like, I don't want to talk about this drama. We're not talking about we're not talking shit about people at my table or whatever it happens to be. And like I'm torn on this because I have a strong personality. I can say it to anybody. You know what I'm saying? But I know a lot of people that can't do that. So there's more subtle ways to do it. Maybe you just like try to change the subject and they don't really understand why you're doing that. You know, humans are fickle creatures. They can easily change their subject if you, you know, put a little shiny thing in front of their face, talk about something else, right? But it's like, I think most people just need to kind of own up a little bit and take responsibility for the fact that if they're in a room and there's things going on around them that they can absolutely influence, and if it's going to benefit them to influence it for the better, it'll also benefit the people, right? Then that's like our responsibility and that kind of comes down i think to like discipline and taking ownership of your life and and what's going on around you but also not just being a a passive like observer of life and like actively doing things yeah and like i mean you said it perfectly but if you're not manifesting your life you're living in someone else's manifestation so Mm -hmm. like if you're not actively making choices that serve you and your goals and your desires you're living in someone else's shit 
And so it could be like, oh, how could that person have, uh, you know, caused that car accident? Maybe they didn't cause it, but were they actively trying to be alert and safe? Or are they just kind of going on autopilot, just going yeah. down the same route? And they this contributed dude, to it. Yeah. And, and this yeah. dude over here is driving reckless because he's in a hurry and he's stressed out. And like, so, yeah. you know, I think that that's, I, that's like been the last, I don't know, five, six years of my life, maybe longer, just like, or maybe my whole life, just like always disrupting the norm and challenging what the status quo may be. Yeah. And I just enjoy that about myself. And I think that's why you and I resonate a lot with each other. It's like, I'm not scared to speak my truth. You know, I may say, I may have a different way of doing it or a different like tone or different energy to me, but like, I'll still say it how I see it and I'll mm-hmm. call people out. I mean, that's, that's like one of the, the biggest challenges I had to get over with, you know, coaching people. It's like, you got to be able to call them out on their bullshit and not feel bad about it. Cause that's what they're paying you for is to have yeah. that, you know, accountability. Now I'm recognizing that. So like, I'm like over the years, of course, like you start to find your voice more and more and your confidence with it. And like, now I just like have no filter. Like I'll talk about anything I want. I'll curse on stage. That was a huge thing for me. Cause I naturally curse, like just not, mm-hmm. not a lot. Like my younger brother I'm was the same way. Yeah. yeah. He'd curse like every other word, but like, I was, I was like, man, like I'm speaking to people that are like 10 to 20 years older than me and I'm worried about cursing. Um, <laughs> but just me, you know, I'm just being me. And I, like, that's why I said before we did this, like I have no agenda, like I have no script. Like I just, I just want to talk and whatever comes out, that's what I was feeling. Cool. Like, and I've had people say like, Oh, do you want to like, do you want to like review this when we're done and like make change? I'm like, no, like that's like, that's not, that's not me. Like I just, whatever comes out, like that's, that was my truth at the time. It may have been right or wrong. It doesn't matter. Like I don't see it that way. So I think like, if you're not speaking up for what you believe in, you're, you're not fulfilling, you're not walking your talk. Like, and I, I, I go over this with my girlfriend, Jackie, who's like, she's big into environmental issues. And I'm like, if you're just going to complain about something and then not actively be doing what you can be doing to, to better the cause, you shouldn't be opening your mouth. Not that she is doing the opposite, but just in, in terms of these, you know, groups of people like Bill Burr's, like, I don't know if you watch his stand up, he's like at a whole bit about groups. But if you haven't watched his black and white special on Netflix, it's amazing. Bill Burr. Okay. Bill Burr. But um, yeah, like, if you if like you mentioned like if you're not influencing something whether it's going to affect people negatively like they're going to get pissed off like one thing that helped me a, a tremendous amount is like i'm only responsible for my life if i'm not harming someone the things i do and say i, I have no responsibility when how that person reacts how they feel so like you said if you're not standing up for the things you believe in you're um, not in integrity with yourself and you're you're not fulfilling your responsibility with what you know now mm-hmm yeah, and th- that is like a byproduct of our culture. Now we're supposed to be responsible for how people feel. <laughs> like we have to change things and all these things, oh, law, man. and there has to be certain bathrooms. And oh God, I just, I like that stuff. So I watch it from crazy. The, no, I do. And I watch it because I don't watch it. I, I see it. That's, that's a better way to put it. I don't actively watch this stuff, but I'll see it and hear it and whatever. And I try to actually distance myself as much as possible. But there are times where I, I'm like, okay, let me try to understand the psychology here, right? This is an ancestral mind. Humans are these fickle animals we're, we're mammals and we think we're, we're all that really we're just evolved apes on a spinning rock that you know like is a- are actively destroying the earth that we use for sustenance and so yeah you know talking about environmental but i i do try to understand where it comes from and a lot of the tribalism and a lot of the us for them the victim mentality and all these things like you know even the fact that you got in bmx for changing from the group that's just a tribalistic thing like yeah. humans are designed to think together, think nearly the same because that was, it challenges what was the herd. most conducive. Yeah. That was how you survive in the wild. 
Yep. Right? Like, if you couldn't trust the guy or gal next to you that, that you're hunting a big, dangerous animal, you know, like, with, with a little puny spear, like, you, you'd all die or multiple people die or whatever. Like, there's a lot of risks in the wild where you have to really be aligned, right? And so you get all the things in our modern world that is connected and that we can share things. You get the tribalism and you get, like, us for STEM. And, you know, even politics is extremely divisive, which, which is why it's so hard to actually make things happen because people are too focused on like the things that we disagree on instead of focusing on the things that we agree on. Like what are the things that we agree on? Let's start there. Yeah. Let's make progress on the things that we can actually get something done on. And then like, let's just push all the stuff we disagree on to the back for now. You know, I feel like that could change the discourse of, you know, the modern world. But I mean, you see that even in nutrition, like you got, you got people that are vegan, paleo, vegetarian, keto, like all this stuff. It's like, what is the overall outcome that we're all going for? We want people to be healthy and happy. Whatever way they do that, like we do, yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't necessarily say that some of the vegan people uh, necessarily want that or whatever, right? Well, yeah, um, I mean, everyone's got their it, <laughs> right? But at least we know the truth. Yeah, so it's, it's like it's finding food. common ground. It's like, all right, well, we all can agree that eating processed food is not good, you know, things like that. Right. So I think that's. Are you familiar with Kerwin Ray? Uh-uh. You should check him out. So it's funny. He's friends with Gary Vee, but people refer to him as like the Australian version of Gary Vee. Uh, I was just at one of his events in Sydney uh, a couple months ago now, actually. But he talked a lot about like ego and challenging the herd. And like, if you stand out and like, you're like the rebel, it challenges the pack. And it's like, oh no, like we don't, we don't trust you now. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what I experienced in BMX. And it was like later on that, like I was aware of it. I was like, oh, that makes sense now. It was like easier for me to let things go. But even just like two or three weeks ago, one of the top professionals that I looked up to that's older than me, and like I looked up to him as a teenager, said some some like pretty personal public shit about me on my page. And I was like, I was kind of upset about it. But then I thought about it and I was like, why do I care? But it's because I looked up to him and, mm-hmm. you know, growing up and then things like that. And I was friends with him. But because of the things I'm speaking out for, it's challenging other people's beliefs. And then, like you said, it's just challenging the, the, the pack. And we're starting to see changes but i know this is a little off topic but um you gotta you gotta pity people like that yeah it's like like i said like when somebody throws shade at you or negativity or whatever all they're doing is saying i'm insecure i'm insecure it's funny, my I'm response insecure. to him was like literally that's all they're doing that's all i hear <laughs> yeah they, they have words but it, they, you could use google translate and it would translate into insecurity yeah like literally that's all it is my, you know my response to him was uh insecurity showing funny ways huh <laughs> I, I'm just, I mean, it's, it's sad. Like, obviously, in the heat of the moment, you're pissed. And you're like, you're like, F- you man. Like, you know, let's go. But when you really have more time, you're just like, dude, this is pathetic. Yeah. And I feel bad for you. Like, I hope you can overcome whatever the hell you're stuck on to make it make you think that it's worth your time to like send negativity my way. Like, what the hell did I do? Yeah. Right. Like, fun. Like, I'm just being me, and somehow it's offending you. That's your. Yeah. Hundred percent. You know. So. Oh man, there's so much. Everyone's on their own journey. You gotta love and respect them for where they are. <laughs> yeah, no, truly. And Brent, you have anything I, before we move on to the, the, a quick, quick observation? Every episode before we sit down and we do this, Colin's like, "All right, we're not going to swear on this one because it might go on the <laughs> Living Wild podcast." And then halfway through, he's well, just like, I "This bullshit." This bullshit. Well, for, if we put this on Living Wild, we'll we'll bleep it out. Oh, okay, all right. So bleep. So it hear that, Jason? Go back and bleep out the seventeen for the Living Wild. And so AM, we're we're unfiltered here because we like to get passionate. You know, okay, so you didn't really fully cover the story. Let's just like touch on that real quick and then let's get into some actionable, like, like some tips, some tricks. We have a lightning round, which are some like things that, that you use that's really cool. So we'll get to that before we close out. But just do this for me. Like, when do you start your BMX career? 
Okay, so the timeline. Yeah. Like I said, born and raised Cape Cod, Massachusetts, unlike what most people think, born into a working class family, family lived paycheck to paycheck, didn't understand that until I got older, but always had a roof, food, clothes, somehow a bike that was welded three times back uh, when I, my first <laughs> bike, so that was cool. But um, yeah, so went to normal school, decided to go to technical high school, got into landscaping, started making really good money. It's making like 36, 40 bucks an hour at the time. And I'm 17 and yep. living at home for free, you know, so um, decided to drop out when I got an ultimatum from my boss to pick between now competing professionally that year between BMX and his job. Cause ironically the uh, BMX season's the same time as landscape season and mm. Cape Cod homeowners aren't um, very happy when you don't mow their lawn or take care yep. of yourself. So that is really what led me to dropping out of high school. My mom went and signed me out, which was awesome. My dad fully supported. They they have been divorced since I was like three, but they've always been awesome team for me. So then I was gone in the winter, I believe, in North Carolina. I was on a road trip, hitting up some spots for contests, things like that, hanging out with my friends in Greenville, North Carolina. And then I got a letter from my mom or like a, a message from my mom saying she got a letter from the school saying I was expelled because I missed the first two months of school. And she was like, oh shit, like I forgot you had to go back to school for a senior year. And I was just like, <laughs> all right. Like Oops. She, she was like, it says you can go back next year. And I was like, well, what if I just stay here? And then I got an opportunity to go do um, a month long tour in Canada with motocross dudes and arenas. And I made like six grand that month. And I was like, hmm. this is the most money I've made in like one month from riding my bike. I can live. I literally paid my rent. Uh, Greenville's making like 250, paying 250 a month for a room in an apartment so that was cool and i just stayed there and um like i said i'm four years later to get my ged but i was 17 when i first started competing professionally i was 20 when i won my first pro contest i won a harley davidson the same weekend because i landed the trick i invented that had never been done before at the time and i was just like cool like i took the cash instead of the bike mm. or actually no i sold the bike i didn't touch it but they delivered it the same day i had someone on craigslist come someone and buy else, it for yeah. me uh paid yeah. all my bills off for the year and just I was at least somewhat smart with my money. I didn't really have much to invest. So I paid off my bills. So riding X games, you know, touring the world on TV, sponsorships, all that good stuff. 2009, 2010, uh, March, got the diagnosis. Three weeks later, got the surgery back on my bike five weeks later, which was amazing. Didn't know it only takes four weeks for the skull to fuse back together. So titanium bolts in there and good to go. Two years later, like I said, a routine MRI showed two new masses had grown back because they didn't get all the cells because the risk of stroke, paralysis, you know, death, um, having a shunt and all this different stuff. So gamma knife zapped the two tumors. They shrunk for four years, been stable ever since. And then coming out of that, it was like six days. They wanted me to just rest, make sure I didn't have any effect, side effects. Didn't I was at a contest a couple months later in 2013 now where I got a little excited did something I shouldn't have done in the qualifying round, put my foot out the wrong way in the transition, the ramp caught it and it turned my foot and my leg behind me. And I like, like looped out my bike and just sat on it, blew out my knee, waited two years to get it fixed. That's when I met Jackie, my girlfriend, but um, yeah, had surgery on my ACL and meniscus and all sorts of other crap. End of 2015. Wait, was she part of the medical staff? The way you said that it was like she's she, a nurse or something. So 2013 blew up my knee at a contest, stubbornly rode on it, competed for two years with just with a brace. That's what got me into strength training for the first time. Mm. 2015, I was gone the summer for three months doing like BMX shows with dance and aerialists and parkour people and all that stuff at an amusement park in Ohio. And came back to North Carolina and Jackie was the athletic trainer that the park had hired on staff with another athletic trainer. Oh. And she convinced me to go through the surgery. I also convinced her to look up a high fat, low carb diet. And, um, mm. we were going back and forth to date you. 
Yeah. <laughs> you convinced her to date. Yeah, there was a lot of convincing going on. Yeah, that directions. happened like a year later. <laughs> but uh, she really convinced me to get the surgery. And I was like, all right, if I can get the surgery before Thanksgiving this year, 2015, I know I'll be good for the 2016 season to compete. And that's exactly how it happened. And 2016, I missed the first contest of five. It's a point system, but I still did well enough in those four that I made top 10 in the world rankings. So I was, I was stoked. And that was like a month after I started riding again from ACL recovery. And then February, 2017, I was stoked for the next year. I was training now in a proper like athletic gym, got a coach for strength and conditioning. I'm optimizing my diet by this time. Like I'm already full into keto, high fat, low carb and um, testing and all that stuff. And then ready to compete this year, just stoked. And then February going for a routine MRI and they're like, all right, the two tumors that shrunk for a little while are stable, but you have two new ones now on the opposite side of your brain. And they didn't know why. And they assumed they'd still be benign like the original one, but they said they think it's a genetic disorder called neurofibromatosis that creates them. And what's really fortunate for me and the perspective of piece I love to share is thankfully I just have the four brain tumors because I could have spinal cord tumors as well. And that's something that when I, when I'm on stage and I say that I'm always like, let me, let me back up and say that again. Thankfully I have four brain tumors. That's what I just said. Cause shit could always be worse. And in my situation, I could potentially not be able to train or ride or just walk and live without severe pain in my body. If I had the spinal cord tumors. So that was the moment that I didn't get angry. There's no victim mentality this time. It was just like, shit, like, what do I do with this? Um, and I was like, well, I've been active about sharing my story, been social media, doing interviews, things like that, like really having a presence for a positive, you know, mindset in BMX and outside of that. So let's get on purpose now. Like, I was like, I'm not going to compete this year. There was another issue I had with a, a mainstream sponsor that got bought out by Nestle. So maybe you'll put two and two together who that was. And ironically, the team budget went away when we were supposed to put me on salary now. And the year prior, they're paying travel and all that. They were supposed to put me on like a, like a salary now as like an endorsed athlete. Mm-hmm. That went away. And then the brain tumor diagnosis. And I was like, dude, fuck it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to compete anymore because I'm literally risking my life and yep. not making as much money as people think. Um, not nearly as much. And to the point where in 2009, Dave Muir put his hand on my shoulder like a like a father son talk or like an older uncle or something. It was like, Josh, sorry that BMX has changed. The corporate sponsors aren't here anymore. The contest, like the, you guys all should be making way more money right now and not struggling. But that's just mm-hmm. you know how things go. But it was really that moment of that third diagnosis, the sponsorship issue, and oh by the way, in 2016 when I was recovering from ACL surgery, right before two months before I was going to compete, my bike sponsor dropped me with a bullshit excuse. Um, basically, I was saying I deserved more compensation because I was just getting by, and I was the face of that brand that they used and people associated me with, and. I wasn't even getting paid the most of all the other riders, like, which it's it's not like a fairness thing. It was like, I'm literally working a job representing your brand, putting my life on the line. People associate you with me, me with you. And these guys aren't doing nearly anything. Now I'm in GQ and Fox and radio and like people magazine, like all these things representing them um, alongside that. And they dropped me. So like, it was like all these pieces adding up and the third brain tumor diagnosis was, was it. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not working with any other brands in the industry. I'm not going to compete. I'm not going to do shows, which supplemented the other half of my income was doing BMX demos. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Cool. But I know I'm not going to do this shit anymore. 
And then that's when the opportunity to do a performance for a corporate gig, I was like, I'm not doing shows anymore. But my friend who owns the amusement park show, she got asked to do a corporate gig. So it's like uh, one day, one event on a stage in this, I think they were in like a Hilton in San Diego. So it was like really nice. And it was cool. It was almost like the Metabolic Health Summit set up if you saw that. And I was like, all right, cool. Like I'll do that. And the EVP of the company like interviewed me and long story short, he was like, all right, do you do coaching? And I was like, in my mind, I was like, I, no, I haven't done that yet. But I was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, you're going to coach me <laughs> for the people leading up to the event. Got them great results. And that's when the health coaching business started. And then um, speaking just, I, I think the, oh yeah, my, my cousin, or no, yeah, my older cousin, second cousin, she runs the business department, the retail department at University of Florida. And so April, 2018, she was like, hey, do you want to come speak to my graduating class? I was like, all right, I haven't done that, but I've been putting it off like five years now. Yes. So I was yep, like, sure. Yes. I did a practice run at Jackie's school, Durham Academy. She's the athletic trainer there. And um, the next day we went down to Florida and I spoke and mm. been speaking on, I think like 14 stages now. And I go to oh. Chile then November 2nd to speak there and a couple other events already, you know, going and just about to finish up the rough draft first rough draft of my book um so that's cool congrats thank you yeah it's been a process <laughs> mad respect my first speaking engagement was university of florida also it's a great oh, place really? to get your get kicked off <laughs> that's awesome and they, they invited kicked me off the stage no they didn't boo me off the <laughs> stage I, probably, I did awful they should have booed me off the stage but they didn't <laughs> but yeah so that's i guess like the the timeline and the bullets of to what i'm doing today and today i'm not really coaching as much i've developed a video course with some friends that we're going to offer the program at one price and the coaching uh, group coaching at another price with the course. And just, I read the the book, the go-giver and one of the five laws they have in there is the law of compensation. And it roughly translates to the amount of like your net worth is determined by the amount of people you serve and support and bring value to. And that got me thinking, I was like, man, I'm making pretty good money one-on-one clients, you know, but it's only one demographic that makes six, seven figures, you know, like they can afford it and it holds mm-hmm. them accountable. But like, I know, like I couldn't even afford a gym membership when I started this journey. Like I want to be able mm-hmm. to affect more people. And then that's when I was like, mm-hmm. well, let's put together a course. Let's put together a book, like an ebook, like all these things. And that's what I'm doing today. And then just more so focusing on, you know, partnerships with different brands to create content, speak on their behalf or represent them mm-hmm. in my speaking. Um, really just taking everything I was doing with BMX in terms of like representing myself as a, an individual, learning about personal brand and combining all of them to where I'm just focused on, you know, speaking, my writing, my training, producing content around all these things to bring value to people. And then, yeah, just seeing what comes up next. Awesome. So we'll obviously have links to everything in the show notes. And, you know, when the book finally gets done, we can always do a giveaway with the audience or have you back on the show to talk about it again. Awesome. Man. Cool I appreciate that. Yeah. And so let's get into lightning round right now. We're going to ask you some rapid fire questions. They don't necessarily have to be rapid fire answers though (laughs) Uh, so take as long as you want on them and uh, i'll just kick off though since we're you just brought up the go-giver book which i'm about to buy anytime anybody recommends a book this is good habit he's he's literally got amazon up on his computer right now and putting it there's a series of them the go-giver is the original but then there's the go-giver leader salesman all that stuff yep now i gotta buy all these damn books thanks (laughs) Uh, (laughs) like 120 pages it's all right (laughs) so um favorite book that's the first question, lightning round. Oh shit, that would probably or most impactful book. Probably, and you can't reuse the go-giver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably Grain Brain. That was the first book I read about nutrition, and that introduced me to keto in 2013. And 
yeah, changed my life. Yep. No, that's, that's a good book. Uh, and then obviously wheat belly is a similar book. What's like just a quick thesis on that? Cause we didn't really touch on uh, nutrition on the show. Yeah. Uh, long. So one sentence, the level of your blood sugar chronically is going to dictate to a degree your health, uh, or the, your brain's health and performance. So I guess it just shows the correlation and direct causation of chronic elevated blood sugar levels and the deterioration of your brain. And grains and carbs are a big part of yeah anything that, that will elevate right. your blood. It's sugar. more nuanced than that. Yeah, there's gentlemen, way more but, context involved than that. But, <laughs> but that's a good yes. Yeah, stop eating grains for the most part and sugar and normalize your blood sugar and then live a long time. Yep. Okay. So Brent, we're gonna have to interchange these now. So now you have to no. ask the question. All right. What is your favorite thing or software or something like that that you've bought that costs less than hundred bucks? That impactful hundred dollar or less purchase that's how you actually ask that question brett <laughs> yeah but uh, every time i ask that people are like i don't know so i gave a couple of examples. anyway yes I'm that trying, that trying think. that question hundred dollars less it could be a tool like a, a, like a web tool or some some something like that no, no or just not in just general web. any anything. anything could be a pen it could have oh. been a show it could be a favorite snack of food or something like it has to be impactful though can't be your AirPods. They're over. I was gonna say I got I got mine when they're on sale, but they're still just over hundred. But those have been. And I also have been using those less because of EMF. Yeah. Then I and I started learning about that. After I got yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> I haven't used them in like two weeks. Um. I don't know. I'm just gonna go with Visionary Pet Food for my dog. I think a bag of that for two weeks worth was uh fifty bucks. Something like that. So, I, don't know. I can't think All of right, any right visionary now. Pet food. <laughs> Two more weeks of life with your dog. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Cheddar appreciates it. Okay, so favorite Netflix show or a series of other network, if not Netflix. Uh, so the OG Dexter for me, but lately I got really into New Girl. It's a great show, man. Yeah, it's hard to pick, but yeah. It's a great show. Yeah. I still got to finish, um, what's that Jason Bateman one, um, the newer one. Oh, is it Arrested Development? No, that's that's an older one. That was a good one too. Um, it's about him and his wife that get into uh, working with like the mafia and like selling. Oh, Ozark. Ozark. Yeah, I still got to finish up. Oh, that. Ozark's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Finish that. Okay. Brent, your turn. What is your favorite '90s jam? Favorite '90s jam. You're, you're not going to be allowed to do the lightning round anymore. <laughs> I'm going to have to think of what like. Can you give me some examples artists. of like artists that were out yeah, back then? Yeah, I don't even then? know when. Because I can't. Is, like Ace of Base. Like who, who was that? Spice that, Girls. What do you mean? Like Green Day? Like I don't know. There's a million ah, well, people. Is that, is that 90s? Yeah, yeah, of course. yeah. Green Day is old. God, man. Dookie I mean, was like 92. My first yeah. concert I ever went to was a Green Day and Blink 182 concert when I was 13. So we'll go, go with them. That's going to be the your pop answer. disaster tour. <laughs> uh, favorite podcast. Favorite podcast. Uh, or even one that you're just currently kind of into, you know, like. Um, so shameless plug, the Great Matters podcast with Jackie and I. That's my favorite right now. Um, <laughs> Is it called Great Matters? Uh, Great. The Great Matters podcast. It's a good name. Let me look. I haven't been listening to many lately. I've just been, dude, like trying to like audit the amount of content you consume from your friends, your peers, mm-hmm. people you look up to and all the different streams has been a nightmare. So mm-hmm. it's hard. I don't, I don't know. Humans 2.0 by my good friend, Mark Metry. That's a pretty awesome one. What's that about? So Mark Metry just loves exploring human potential people, you know, that are maybe billionaire software developers, people like myself, that athlete, brain tumor survivors. Check that out. um, What the Fat by Dr. Ryan Lowry. That's always a good one. Is that a podcast? Yeah. What the Fat. Yeah. Dr. Lowry's podcast. All right, I'm getting some new recommendations. I was into Biotrust Radio podcast with Sean Wells and Tim Skiot, but they stopped that at after 59 episodes for some reason. I'll have to talk to Josh about that. <laughs> I'm 
friends with the founder. Oh, really? Yeah, Boutros. Okay, so I assume that they're the same. Yeah, yeah. Same, same I think people. that was yeah. the thing. Like Sean doesn't work with them anymore; he does his own thing. So I think mm-hmm. like when that changed, yeah. the podcast went, which was sad because that was a great one. Okay, uh, let's see. We got the podcast, book show. I think that's all of them. Is there any anyone I'm missing? I I always I don't know. I always ask you what's your favorite city that you've traveled that's to. That's a fine one. That's that's okay. Yeah, you can favorite ask that. city I traveled to or country. Um. Well, besides the United States. Thank yeah. You. So I, th- I say favorite city in U.S. I've enjoyed my visits to Austin, especially recently. That was fun. What up? Um, <laughs> Colorado, like out there is always sweet. Just like I love being out and hiking and things like that. But yep. I'd say country, probably some of like the more uncommon ones that I've been able to visit one way or another, like Saudi Arabia and um, mm. India. They were pretty eye opening in terms oh, yeah. of like you want perspective go to about to say that one Get of those countries yeah <laughs> the it, luxury it, we have of running water whatever temperature we want and that we can consume at any time we want is i got an a amazing fun fact thing. fun fact about india so the current i think it's the current president he has made a mandate to increase the amount of toilets in india okay so the government started installing all these toilets people were still shitting in the fields right yeah the habit was so ingrained in them and maybe toilets had this like negative connotation or something but you know like it's just bizarre, but they literally had to hire the boys to run around with, I think, whistles. And anytime somebody was defecating publicly, <laughs> they they would whistle at you and shame you to go and oh, use the funny. damn toilets. Like I'm telling you, man, humans are funny creatures, which is why you got to be self aware, you got to be grateful, yeah. and you got to control the inputs into your life. And I think it's a great place to end today's show. Uh, Josh, where can people find you on the socials? Um, website and all the social handles, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff, trying to be more active in all of them equally, but it's just Josh Perry BMX or Josh Perry BMX.com. Um, yeah, I'm most responsive on Instagram via DM. And if you email me on website, I'm always down to have a conversation, hop on a call, whatever it takes to help someone. So we will have links below. Thanks for coming on, Josh. We'll definitely have you back on and let us know how we can support you in any way. Keep doing what you're doing, man. This is just a quick reminder that the members of the Living Wild podcast team are not medical professionals. They are not doctors. They are not nutritionists or dietitians. They are here to provide entertainment for you and give you a perspective on their thoughts and their feelings. So please, before making any radical changes in your diet, do your own research and also consult a licensed medical professional and stay wild. Shining for-